Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. It's a podcast where me, Lisa, the host, interviews journalists and the journalism adjacent about their work. The Friday Reporter Podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. And if you don't know about PR Daily, it is a tremendous uh, resource for communicators like myself and you and and the folks you work with. Uh, PR Daily actually just launched what's called the PR Daily Leadership Network. It's a peer-to-peer brainstorming and networking opportunity for mid-level communicators, uh, access to uh, measurement of SEO, uh, business fluency, presentation training, lots of other opportunities there at prdaily.com. If you're interested in the PR Daily Leadership Network, be sure to mention that you heard about it on the Friday Reporter Podcast to receive $500 off of your membership. Well, hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today's conversation is one I've been looking forward to. My good friend, Emily Heil, is the food reporter for the Washington Post. Emily, thanks so much for being with me. I'm so happy to be here. So thanks for inviting me. This is going to be great. So the uh, as I as I started to go, and so I always do a little bit of research ahead of time, like the good PR person that I am, and I always like to read sort of what you've been covering and what your colleagues have been covering as we get into the conversation. And I went into this this research really hungry today. And I was thinking, this is going to make me (laughs) hungrier. And I came away with it thinking, but it's not all about food and recipes. Talk to me, Emily, a little bit about this beat that you're working, that you're doing today. Yeah. So I have, I think it's like the coolest job I've ever had. I really love this job. So I work as part of a team at the Washington Post, the food section. Um, and it's interesting. We have a number of folks who, who focus more on, you know, recipe developing and writing stories where they're helping you be a better home cook and be a better, um, you know, uh, shopper and, and, and prepare food. Um, now I, that is my job. So my job, I'm sort of on the sort of news angle of food. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I do a lot of daily stories. So, you know, any food news that crops up and it's all, you know, national, uh, national focus, not just, of course, not Washington. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and then, and then, you know, I also try to mix in the daily, you know, whatever the story of the day is. And I love that the news is so varied. It could be, you know, a food safety lawsuit, like, you know, <laughs> someone alleging that Skittles aren't fit for human consumption or it could be, you know, some crazy thing that happened on TikTok or what people are arguing about, uh, you know, on social media about food, whatever is sort of bubbling up in the news that day, you know, I might do that. And then I also sort of try to do, you know, kind of more featurey stories, yeah. you know, in that mix. And I just love what I love about the job is while well, I love the food, I love the stuff. Who doesn't love food? I feel like it's such, um, it, it, there's such a potential for, such a wide audience because everybody eats and people love talking about food. And like my old life, you know, when I was more of like a politics reporter, you know, I'll run into people from those days and people, those, everybody's into food. They all they want to talk about is food. So like I have such a, a deep audience for it. I love the variety of the stories that I get to cover. So this is, you know, it's just a really, really fun beat. And it and it, it shines through in everything you write. And I and I absolutely appreciate it so much. I thought it was I did think about how often I give my kids Skittles. Maybe I ought to rethink that. There's some things, you know, it's like <laughs> hilarious stuff that are happening there. But it really does. It strikes me that it was really a, a nice intersection between a, a lot of different, you know, everybody can read it and everybody can appreciate it. And, and it's really, you know, part of what we're talking about anyway. But tell me a little bit about, um, we've known each, each other for some time, but I'm curious, how did you, how did you get into journalism? How did you get started? 
So like in the very, very first part of my career, I get, well, I guess I should say my first job actually, um, other than like babysitting, um, was at a newspaper. I worked for my little hometown newspaper, uh, the Eastern Shore News uh, on the Eastern Shore of Virginia, mm-hmm. um, where I grew up. And I just, I always kind of knew I wanted to be a reporter. And so when I was 16, I got a job there and they're paying me like five bucks an hour to write stories. And I just thought it was like, it was just the coolest job ever. You know, like I thought it was, you know, five bucks an hour. Wow. I was, uh, I was living large. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I just kept doing, um, kept and when I went to when I went to college, I joined the um, the staff of the Cavalier Daily at UVA, where I went to school, mm-hmm. and it was a really great experience. It was um, a totally student-run daily newspaper, so you know we were really like putting out a daily newspaper, um, and it was just you know a bunch of kids putting out a paper. Um, and I always gravitated more toward the features. Mm-hmm. Um, that was always what I really liked writing. I love feature writing. I love the sort of human connection. Um, and then after I graduated, I moved to Washington and I started um, as a reporter, you know, and obviously moved more to, to the, you know, to the news side of things because you don't, you know, you're 21 and you're like, I want to write big feature stories. And they're like, okay, go cover this meeting. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Same is true on the comm side. Yeah. Go to that meeting right, over there right. and stay there for hours. <laughs> exactly. Why don't you go to this markup that's going to last five hours? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I worked for some trade publications when I first moved to Washington. Um, and then I started covering Congress. Um, and, you know, I, I got, so I, I've had a bunch of different jobs in Washington. I went from um, kind of one congressional uh, paper to the next. Uh, you know, I worked at National Journal um, from there. Um, I moved, let's see, <laughs> I even forget my, my progression. Um, I went to the Hill to do a um, kind of a gossip column for them. Yep. And then from there, I went to Roll Call and I wrote their um, congressional gossip column mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years and, and then wrote features for them as well. Um, so kind of finally making that turn back to features, which is what I really loved. And then um, the Post hired me to do a column with um, a columnist named Al Kamen, and he wrote a column called In the Loop. I remember and it, it was well. Yeah, it was such a fun column, and Al's such a great guy. What a personality. Um, it, was, it was kind of like Washington insidery stuff, but like the really quirky bits, um, you know, and these kind of columns, I feel like, sadly, don't really exist anymore because they're very personality driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was so well. It was just it was this really cool column, and so they hired me to work with him, and and so that's where I've been for the last twelve years. I mean, I've moved around after that. After Al, um, I, I from there I went and I worked. Um, I did the reliable source column, which yep. was the post sort of gossip column. And when I say gossip column, all of these are, you know, they're not just like, you know, salacious. Although, you know, we tried to do some salacious, but, you know, we, obviously with, 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 you know, high journalistic standards. So, you know, you know, we're writing about divorces, but we're getting a second source on stuff and we're, you know, um, you know, sourcing things and it's, you know, not just hearsay and a lot of event coverage went into that. You know, I was always covering like whether it was a red carpet in Washington mm-hmm. or, you know, a famous person's book party or, you know, you know, the circuit in Washington. So a lot of that kind of coverage. And that was really fun. Um, and then about, let's see, I guess like three years ago, 
I moved over to the food beat. So that was sort of another turn, but it's all been really fun. And I've always loved food. I actually like part-time went to culinary school when I moved to Washington, just because I really wanted to learn how to cook. I was like a, yeah, I volunteered as a chef's assistant at the culinary school for a long time. Cool. So I love food. And like, so for me, this is, and that had always been something I loved reading about. And, and so this job was sort of like a, um, uh, kind of a dream job, but a, a little bit of a left turn from, from my kind of my career trajectory, sure. but you know, a really great one. Well, and, and certainly at the time, three years ago was a great time to, to kind of make that transition and how lucky for you, you know, I mean, everybody and under the sun was finding when it used to be that they were finding ways to weave their story together as it related to the Trump administration, then it turned to being, you know, sort of connected to the COVID vaccine or the COVID uh, pandemic. A lot of what you were doing is really providing a lot of entertainment and a lot of, a lot of fun. And, and I know that you work with a great team there. Um, I, in, in my research, as I was peeking around, it looks like you and your team also have a, do you have a, is there a social media presence or something that called the eat voraciously? What, tell me a little bit about that. Cause I was sort of digging yeah. around. Yeah. So um, voraciously is kind of what they call like a vertical within the, that voraciously is sort of the, um, the online home for all things. Um, most of our food coverage is, okay. it is in voraciously. Uh-huh. And, it, it, you know, the idea behind voraciously was that it was going to be, you know, a good looking destination within the post, um, you know, that was going to be very helpful to particularly like, um, you know, chefs or home cooks who, you know, felt like they needed a little help. They wanted, you know, someone to kind of take their hand and, and really kind of help them through. So most of my stuff goes online on voraciously. Okay. Um, and then of course we have the print editions still, I say still, um, but yes, we have a print edition that goes out every Wednesday. Uh-huh. And what's interesting about that is like a lot of my stuff doesn't end up in the, my, my stories, um, they don't end up in the print edition necessarily. Sometimes they might, but because the print edition gets planned a good bit ahead of time uh-huh. and there are, you know, pieces within the print edition, you know, we have a, 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 a wine column. We have a cocktail column. Occasionally, we have um, you know various standing features that go in there. So there's sort of a smaller news hole. Yeah. And so you know, I feel like I feel like I have friends um, who really only read the paper, and they're like, "Wow, you just I never get to read your stuff." And I'm like, "Well, you know, you got to look online. Go to Voracious yeah. because that's where all my stuff is." Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's and sometimes. Um, like the style section, which is the other print, was it just a print section of feature stories at the post? Sometimes, depending if one of my stories, you know, has a broader appeal or you know a cultural kind of angle, um, they might pick one up, one of the stories up now and then. But right. you know, but voraciously is kind of where my my stories live, and sure. it also lives with content that is, like I said, um, geared toward home cooks. We also have two really fantastic restaurant um, critics mm-hmm. um, who, you know, who cover, who do um, restaurant reviews. So all that stuff sort of lives in, in, you know, within the food, within I the see. food world. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, and it certainly makes sense to me because the print is planned out more and it's, it's more, it's, it's, it's less uh, tied to the, the news of the day or the, the most mm-hmm. recent, it's a lot more sort of, um, you know, things that are being recommended or sort of they can be a little bit more evergreen, whereas the work you do is really, it is really tied to the news about food and, and the, the right. space that that is. That makes sense. 
it's so interesting <laughs> right now, my colleagues who, um, who, you know, work on the, the recipe side of things, they are working, um, I kid you not, on uh, holiday coverage. Like right now, they're talking about, you know, what's going to be the theme. I mean, they're already nailing this down, like Christmas cookie recipes. The cookie re- issue is always a big deal in our cookie coverage. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, and they're already planning this stuff because, you know, it's, and it's been, that was such a, a learning curve for me just to see how, you know, how far in advance, you know, a lot of my colleagues have to work to make um, to make these co- to make the coverage and make it really also beautiful because there's such a big you know photo component sure. to to what to what we do particularly what they do um, you know and so you're already thinking like and it, this has been so interesting being a part of this during COVID because you know every year it's been like okay well the first holiday in the pandemic we knew people weren't getting together so you know the theme was like maybe a smaller you know smaller uh, you know holiday meals. Sure. And then, but then, you know, you're planning out so far in advance and you're like, okay, when things were, things were really uncertain, you're like, we're just one, you know, variant away from like having to scrap this entire plan. So it was, you know, things were stayed very up in the air and um, really, really presented some, some challenges for our team. But I have to say that, you know, COVID was such an interesting time for the, for food coverage because, you know, it, you know, I did a lot of coverage early on. Um, about restaurant workers mm-hmm. and how, you know, losing their jobs and then restaurants and how they were adapting and pivoting. Um, and then there was just a lot of stuff to write about, you know, even though I don't, you know, do recipes, I, I do reporting on, you know, the ways people are cooking at home. So I was writing about, you know, you know, people sprouting scallions on their windowsills right. and people really wanting to find ways to save money, you know, or to, you know, to do more thrifty sort of cooking. And so it, it just, the pandemic really, I felt like we could provide, you know, a lot of really good information for readers Absolutely. and kind of help them along. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, everyone was cooking, you know, more than. I was going to say, <laughs> we're probably- cooking at home. We're making sourdough bread. I mean, my ki- my kids have made uh-huh. more things from TikTok uh, as <laughs> than I could. And then I, it's, it's hilarious to me, but they are, they're like making different kinds of foods and my son came downstairs and said I'm doing an experiment and I thought what are we doing today and it was all from this <laughs> but it is it's all relative to food but it actually it sort of sparked a curiosity in them that I'm not sure that we would maybe we would have even you know had if we were out and about and in the world as opposed to being here at home and having to figure out how to you know do with what we have right and entertain yourselves a little mm-hmm. bit too yeah, absolutely absolutely I want to put you on the spot a little bit and um, because I'm just curious and this is not it's not a trick question but more of a curiosity because you've been there for 12 years at the post there has been you've been really been around for a lot of change in, in our hometown paper I mean you've had new ownership you've had new leadership you've had a new home in general new new real estate where the building actually is um, how does the how does the changes inside the business of the news um how how does that affect your world? Do you guys are you guys, you guys must be very flexible. To me, it must be like okay, we're gonna new, do some new cool things. Can you talk to me a little bit about maybe how how change on the business side affects the editorial side in some way? Absolutely, and it really has been you know a wild a period of intense change in mm-hmm. the industry, um, at the post specifically. I think for for me, one of the biggest um, changes 
you know, I was there for the, the, the big Jeff Bezos, um, handoff. And I think that was, you know, that was, I had been there long enough to, to feel, you know, unsettled by it. But I think people who'd been there even longer, it was really hard because for the longest time it was the Graham family paper. And I think people really worried, you know, what, what are we going to be if we're not this, you know, this family's paper that we understand their commitment to the kind of journalism we want to do. And I think what we've seen is that with, with, um, in the Bezos era, I think the broadening of ambition at the paper has been pretty amazing. Like, I mean, it quickly became clear that we were no longer just focused on Washington, that we were going to be a paper for the country and for the world. And that's where we wanted to, um, you know, we wanted to have that kind of ambition. We were going to do the kind of stories that, you know, that people didn't read just because it was in the Washington Post. They were going to read it because they had to. Like, And, and so I feel like that was really interesting. And the way that is sort of, I feel like, has manifested itself um, the Post has done a really great job of um, focusing on, you know, I think it used to be like reporters, you just like, you know, you did your story, you filed your story, and then it wasn't your problem. Or, you know, you kind of, and you did the story that you thought needed to be done or what, you know, what the the news required or, uh-huh. you know, if it was a feature, you know, what you thought was interesting. Like, and I don't know, I think there's just so much more of a focus um, and there are many more resources for sure now developed into or put into helping us journalists think about our audience huh. first and then connect the stories to them. Like, I mean, we've done just, there's so many, and we, you know, there, there are people who work specifically on, you know, audience engagement, on sure. optimizing our stories um, in, you know, using SEO terms. Yeah. Um, you know, I did a training the other week on, you know, writing a headline that people want to, you know, click on because it's that's a different, you know, that's a different beast than it was back sure when is. headlines were, you know, that's sort of an ever evolving kind of, um, I don't want to say it's a science, but it's, it's an art. Well, it um, is, it is know, a little bit, at least it's definitely a formula, like the formula yeah. that works online this week may be very different from what it ends up being next week or next month. So that's yeah. really smart. Yeah. So like, you know, just things like that, where I feel like I am, you know, even though I've been in this business for <laughs> a long time, um, for, you know, <laughs> me too, sis, me, me too. <laughs> say how long, long enough, but, you know, I feel like I am still, there's still always so much to learn. I mean, and there's always so much to learn about, you know, the craft of, of, you know, writing and recording. I just, I always love learning about that, but there's also just a lot to learn about, like, you know, how to, you know, mine social media for, for, for story ideas, how Mm -hmm. to, you know, what do we look at when we're looking at, you know, what's trending on Google and then, you know, what's the best way to meet that need for our readers. And then what's the best way to, you know, optimize what you've already done so that it gets seen by the maximum amount of people. And I feel like, you know, I think that that is something that the post not only has, you know, people who, who focus on that exclusively, I think, there's much more of a sense that, it, that, you know, that's everybody's job now. That's, mm-hmm. that's, we're always thinking about that. And I think that, you know, maybe, you, you know, I think people, you know, old school folks like me might have bristled at that at one point and thought, you know, like that's, you know, I have, I know what my job is, but yeah. when you really think about it, <laughs> wanting the most people to read your stuff is, is, 
That's you the know, goal, there's right? nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the, goal. the goal ultimately, yeah. right? You want people yeah, to and, see what you're doing. Right. And then making, you know, and connecting with readers and giving them what they're looking for. And, you know, there's, you know, there's, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. I have, <laughs> so I've, I've come to really, um, you know, think about that in all aspects of my, of my reporting. And I think that's been a really interesting change. Um, and one that I think, you know, will keep evolving, like, you know, the, you know, the, the algorithms are always changing, <laughs> everything's always changing. And so no keeping kidding. up with that's keeping right. up with that is is you know it's tough but it's great that the post you know has the resources to help us figure out how to do that that's i mean it's terrific and it's smart really you know i mean you're the hometown paper and you're competing not only with congress and the and the everything that's happening in this town this town is never ending right and it's not just about politics there's so many industries that are here um so to find yourself sort of being being a little bit of something for everyone is is hard so having that smart approach is just so it's so good and so appreciated from from a consumer point of view i'm curious you have been so lucky i mean to me it seems Anyway, I, I've always read what you've done because it's always about the gossip. It's always about the food. It's always about who's doing what, where, and when. I mean, just kind of fun because that's the fun side of Washington to me anyway. Um, is there a story, Emily, that sticks out to you, something that you look back on and you're especially proud of, especially loved writing about? Is there something that sort of um, you think back on fondly that you would uh, share with me? Oh gosh, there, you know, there are so many stories that I've had fun doing. And I think sometimes the stories that I love doing the most are like the weirdest. I mean, I, I do love, you know, like I did one of the first stories I ever wrote for the food section, even before I joined um, a really big investigative piece into sexual harassment in the in the restaurant industry. And oh, I felt right. like that was really meaningful. And I think I hope it helped people. And I yeah. think it, you know, brought awareness. To, so I, that is, you know, important stuff. And I love doing that. But honestly, some of the stuff that I literally just have the most fun doing are the weird little wacky stories. Um, you know, like, <laughs> like, well, like this week. Okay. So, um, just today I filed a story on pickles as a pizza topping, just cause I happened to notice a picture of someone posting a pickle pizza. Uh. Um, on you know on on twitter and like and then, then i was like huh is that a thing and it turns out it sure it is and i get to call people up and you know i found a guy who kind of claims to have invented the pickle pizza or been like an early pioneer in it and like you know i, I just or like um another story just do journalists about just, hold, hold for one second do, yeah, they, yeah. do they appreciate that call it feels like they would it feels like like oh <laughs> the washington post cares about this do they appreciate those calls for the most part I think they do. Okay. And I, I think they do. I really think they do. Cause sometimes like, you know, I usually just approach these kind of conversations with people. My favorite conversation or my favorite way of like pitching somebody on something like often I'll, you know, I'll be calling, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, some professor and I'm like, okay, I have my favorite thing to say is I have a really weird story I'm working on. Uh -huh. I'm wondering if you might want to help. And I just, and I, cause I feel like a lot of times people love that yeah. because often their, you know, their job isn't often, you know, weird or, mm -hmm. you know, take them down some like little rabbit hole, you know, and I think that, you know, people, if you are having fun and you are approaching the story with a really open mind and just curiosity, I think people love talking about what they do. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I love like geeking out with someone about whatever it is that they do. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like I did a story about 
um, anxiety about returning to um, returning to restaurants after we'd all oh, been yeah. isolated for so long. And, you know, I called up a couple of therapists and I'm talking to them about this. And, you know, you know, I'm, and I'm just like picking their brains. I'm like, this is so interesting. I never really thought about it like this. And, and I kind of felt like I kind of got a cheap therapy session out of it myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. But, I mean, we can appreciate, and, and I'm sure we, and you know, as, as we all did too, like, I feel like that that's what we get when we're reading your column. Like, this is really helpful to all of us as well. Yeah. And like uh, another example of like a totally bizarro story I did was a couple of years ago, I did a story about um, how Brad Pitt eats a lot on screen. Like he's always eating something in his movies. I saw this like huh. super cut of all these different clips of Brad Pitt eating on screen. And so I'm like, huh what's that about? So I called like an acting coach and like talk to them about how they coach people to eat on screen and what that does for their characters. And, like, I just, <laughs> so I feel like my job, I'm so lucky, um, you know, that, that I get to just call up anybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course they can hang up on me, but most of the time they don't. Um, <laughs> That's good. Well, because what you're calling you know, about isn't really isn't threatening too, right? No, I mean, it's something that's of, a, of of human interest and also sort of benign and and fun, really. Exactly, and there, you know, I, I, you know, occasionally, depending on the story, we'll have to make a difficult call, um, you know, that people don't want to answer, you right. know. But but in the main, my job is, you know, just to be super curious and to find stuff out for readers, and um, I just I feel so privileged that I have that ability just to call people up and be like, hey. Tell me about tell me about this. Tell yep. me what's what's up with X and like and then I feel like I get you know uh, like a little lesson in whatever their world is. Right. And, you know, because sometimes it's a little drier. Like, um, but but it's always something. I always learn something. Like I learned about you know uh, food safety law this this week. I reported on a couple different food safety stories. I've done a little bit of that. But you know, all of a sudden you're falling down a rabbit hole of you know, of, uh, you know, of FDA recalls. I mean, this stuff is so, you know, there's always something to learn. And that's, I think my favorite story is when I get to learn something new. Yeah. And I think that that it's, it's, it comes through in, in your journal, in the journalism that you're sharing with us too, Emily. I just, I love it. And I think it's, you can tell you're having fun with it. And that I think is what people are looking for too. They're looking for something that's light and um, relevant and, and easy and, and, and really just, makes us all a little bit smarter, um, whether it's at a cocktail party or at a, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're doing. It's just, it's such fun. And I'm so glad that you're there. And I'm so glad that, um, that you've been, ha- you know, been here with me to chat with me a little bit about uh, the good stuff that you're, you're working on. I'm curious, as we get to the end of our conversation, we, first off, we should be doing this on a rooftop somewhere in Washington, D.C. with a bubbly cocktail, mm-hmm. but maybe mm-hmm. next maybe time. Maybe next time <laughs> we can sort of, um, but tell me, is there, is there anyone that you would recommend for a future episode of the podcast? You know, I have to say my colleague, Daniela Galarza, um, does this amazing um, newsletter called Eat Voraciously. And um, it's it's a daily uh, newsletter. It comes in your email, bo- your email box mm-hmm. and it kind of like helps you figure out what to make for dinner that night because I, I feel like that is, you know, that's always the like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the three worst, you know, words, right? What's for dinner? Yes. Like it can feel like a real slog. It can feel like a chore. Yeah. Um, she makes it easy. She makes it fun. She always has, she like has good, like, you know, song recommendations at the end. And, you know, and it, it just, it's so conversational. It's so fun. And I think her, her approach to it is really interesting. She just has, um, you know, 
she's so thoughtful about um, how she approaches it, um, how she walks people through stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, you know, everyone can benefit from the newsletter, but then a conversation with her would be, I think, really interesting for your readers. I love it. Listeners. I would love, I love it. I'm going to tell her you sent me and okay. uh, I'm going to count on seeing you soon. Uh, but I'm you just bet. so, so grateful for your time today. And uh, I, I look forward to chatting again. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. This is so, so fun. And hopefully it was interesting to folks. Super and interesting. Always. Yes. Ne- next time um, with a cocktail in hand. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. Hi, my name is Joe Grogan. And I'm Eric Ulan for DCEKG. DCEKG is all about the how and why of Washington, D.C., what's going on, what's going on behind the headlines. We spend a lot of time talking about health care and economic policy, but frequently delve into trade policy and sometimes national security or whatever's happening on Capitol Hill. Between Joe and I, we have nearly five decades of Washington experience. We put that to work with our guests to explain to you what's going on in Washington. I always found myself calling Eric when I didn't understand what was happening and always found him to be really good at explaining to me some of the things that I wasn't seeing. And I hope our guests will get the same type of insights. I always found myself talking to Joe when I couldn't believe what I was seeing happening to understand exactly how the heck we got to where we were. Tune in to DCEKG anywhere podcasts or YouTubes are available. You won't regret it.